0: And welcome to the Heart God Media podcast. Today's guest is a writer, director, producer, and more, working under the tent of Weird on Top Pictures since its 2013 uh, debut, I guess. Uh, he co-owns and operates the Punk Rock Film House in Lafayette, Indiana. He is here to discuss his newest film, Straight Edge Kegger, and more on the Heart God Media podcast. Please welcome Jason Zink.
1: Thank you guys so much. Wow, what a what an intro. <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, it took it took me a minute. I was just like I got to get like a good intro like cuz we don't we the guests we have are usually just the three or four like of us like our friends that just, you know, argue about like what fucking werewolf movie is better than the the other.
2: Um
0: Fair enough. and then uh just uh arguing about like music shit all the time. So I was just like, okay, this is like our third or fourth guest. We got to make sure we we pump him in right. So uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
2: uh- Roll out the red
0: carpet. Yeah, we gotta ro- roll sure. out the roll out the red carpet. Is exactly. So uh, where
1: did do, where does uh, where does cursed stand on
2: the uh, werewolf scale?
0: This is actually so we just covered our top five werewolf films in, a, in an episode. Okay. So. Um, very controversial uh much more controversial <laughs> controversial than the uh, zombie top 10 which we just did as well since we obviously have a lot more time we're able to pump out these lists a, a little more uh efficiently now that everyone's kind of stuck but um, yeah. so cursed it made my honorable mentions i think eric okay. it, it made your honorable mentions as well right
2: yeah i mean i brought it up it was definitely <laughs> not
0: your life. yeah so i mean and then I think uh, our friend Sean had it number fucking three. It ranked right up there in the top <laughs> fucking three. Beating out the fucking... The Howling didn't even make an appearance on Sean's fucking list. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't think it'd make it to top three for me. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be up there. Now,
0: what that film could have been, obviously, I'm sure you've heard yeah. that, like, you know, Corey Feldman was originally cast in it, uh, you know, Ski Ulrich, like, uh, what it could have been would have been great. And obviously,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it didn't... And yeah, they
1: ran into lots of trouble... Uh, you know just even even when they were trying to get the funding together for it I guess it fell through several
2: times
0: yeah that was just uh i mean ironically enough the the weinsteins were behind it so maybe if the one of the producers was focused a little more on getting the film funded and and not other curricular activity extracurricular (laughs) activities perhaps those movies would have turned out a little better
2: yeah for sure
0: uh so uh when did your uh, interest, like in, like when did you discover, like, are you, like, because we're all, everyone who's been on this podcast or, or appears on this podcast, we're, you know, mainly directed towards like horror movies, um, mm-hmm. but we're also big music people too, which I obviously I can tell that you're both just from, you know, anybody that's going to make a movie called Straight Edge Kager uh, and the tagline being this is not just a minor threat is. Uh, yeah. I was just like, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, I gotta, we gotta reach out to this guy. We gotta get this <laughs> fucking guy on the podcast. So where'd your interest? Uh, like, what came first? Were you a movie guy first, or were you a music guy first?
1: Um, Man, that's, that's a tough question. Probably, I guess probably movies first, but then the movies kind of fueled my, my music interest. So, like, a lot of it, a lot of my musical taste comes from skate videos, actually. When I was, well, when I was really young, like, I remember watching Zero's Misled Youth on VHS, and uh, Jim Greco, he skates to um, Black Flag, and uh, that's the first time I had ever heard it, and I was just blown away, not only by the, the editing and, like, the speed of everything, but, but the song, and so then that made me kind of go down a rabbit hole of musical interest. And so the, the two things kind of worked right alongside each other. But but I definitely was interested in movies first because my parents started me off pretty young watching horror movies. I,
0: I think anybody who has a, a healthy appetite for, for I guess, f- film, movies in general, but uh, mostly horror movies, I feel like that love is built in deep at a very young age when you're, you know, whether, you know, what whatever people want to, Uh, judge how they, however they want to judge it today, saying like kids are too young. I remember like some of my first movies being Night of Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like my parents were like sick and twisted, so they would you know (laughs) tell me like, oh yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre really happened. So you know if you if you fucking go upstairs and you don't go to bed, like they're right, they're right in the woods because I we I grew we grew up. This podcast is in Syracuse. Eric is in Eric is in uh, Pennsylvania. Um. Uh, he he's from uh, upstate New York. We grew up about a half hour outside of Syracuse, uh, and it's like kind of like a smaller town slash rural. But where I lived, it was very rural. So uh, so there was that creepiness factor from where I lived and stuff. But parents showing kids uh, horror movies at a young age, I feel like with all of the people that are on this podcast, uh, the co-hosts, uh, myself, uh, that that love for horror movies is stemmed very young.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because my my parents both showed me very different movies. Like, my mom showed me Real Window and Psycho, like old Hitchcock. And then my dad was showing me Godzilla, and uh, we were watching Sven Gulli every weekend. And somehow those two things, like, came together, and I just... Again, I just wanted to, like, hunt for more. And so my mom was naive enough <laughs> and sweet enough that she would take me to the video store and just let me scoop up whatever title I would see. So all of a sudden, I'm, like, probably eight or nine years old watching all three sleepaway camps, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and she has no idea what I'm watching. She doesn't sit and watch them with me. Right. She just like, right. okay, he's, he's enjoying it, so it's fine. Uh,
2: but, yeah, so I, I remember... In third grade,
1: I had this birthday party, and my mom showed up to school, and she had just rented a stack of, like, 15 VHS tapes from the video store, and she had never seen any of them, but, like, I was putting those on at my birthday party, and, like, all these kids were hiding in another room, (laughs) and some of them were being like, like, my parents wouldn't let us watch this, but I just kept watching, um... Yeah, it's
0: a fond memory. I, 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 just you describing your youth, and I, Eric, you can attest to this. It sounds very similar to like shit, the hijinks and and the shit that we would experience as well.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I mean, my brother obviously just watching like pretty much whatever we wanted at a young age. My father showing us a lot of the Stephen King stuff. So, uh, very, oh yeah, very similar for sure.
0: So at what point did it kind of morph like into, you know, just your, your love for, for, you know, these films? Did you, you were like, I want to, at what age were you like, I want to do this? Like, I want to make a movie.
1: Um, I, I wanted to do it at, a, I mean, a really young age. Like, I think the first time that I started realizing like what could happen is there was this, um, there's like a pair of VHS tapes that my, parents had bought for me and one was a really old bad movie called planet of the dinosaurs and <laughs> in, in that movie the dinosaurs are all stop motion like claymation right kind of like kind of like Harryhausen, but not good and uh, there are these people getting gored by these dinosaurs and for some reason they were able to get me a vhs tape that went along with it that was explaining how the claymation had been done on that movie and others. And it was really weird like I don't know why they even thought I would be interested in that, but it's what made me start to think about the fact that people were making these movies and making these decisions and that really got me excited. And 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 then and then similar things happened like as I went along not even in horror but like with clerks, you know, watching Kevin Smith's first Oh, movie. absolutely. You know, seeing a movie without famous people in it was, like, a little bit empowering to me. Like, oh, wait, he did this with his friends, so, like, maybe I could do it with my friends. And then and then you find Evil Dead, and then your whole life changes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and seeing those, you know, obviously, when you see, like, the bigger marquee films, uh, especially any genre film, they seem so un- unattainable. But then, as you yeah. said, when you see something like Clerks, where – you recognize no one, you know, if you're first seeing it and you haven't seen, like my first introduction to Smith was like mall rats. Uh So immediately I was just like, what is this weird black and white film that has Jane and Bob in it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, exactly what you said. Uh, that definitely, I could definitely see where if you have like the urge, but it hasn't been brought to this or the, the the desire to be a filmmaker, but it hasn't been brought to the surface and you see something like that. That has to be like a, a tipping point for the motivation.
1: Yeah, well, and it was—it's weird how it happened. Like, it's almost—I wish I had a cooler story of how I started making movies, but really, it came from like ripping off uh, Jackass and like the CKY videos. Oh, like, those
0: were those were so huge in the you know yeah. early two thousands. Like.
1: Yeah. And that's what taught me how to edit was like we would go out and skate and we, you know, jump off roast into bushes and I would edit that stuff together with music that I would never have the rights to. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But but it taught me at a pretty young age a lot about the editing softwares and um, just, you know, how to cut things to music and how some things can hang on too long and, and things like that. And that just like snowballed. It's almost like I had to just take leaps of faith after that to go, okay, maybe I can actually make something that's interesting um, that people would want to watch. You know, we I, I, I used to make short films. It's so weird to me. This is before YouTube, but we used to make short films and not show anything. <laughs> we would, <laughs> we would shoot like five short films and, just show it to the people who made it and then move on. And I don't know why that was something I, I mean, we lived in a small town in Indiana, so I guess we had to like create our own fun, you know? Right. But, but that really, I, that was like me going to film school, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really grateful that all that kind of happened because then when I finally got to make a movie, I, I sort of knew what I was doing. It wasn't just, um, just picking up a camera and going, I actually had some skill.
0: Right, you gave so. yourself like a crash course and to do this stuff yes. just out of the the fun of, and I can relate to that as well as Eric can, because we actually we talked about this. Uh, we we're, we're talking about you, know, you know, we're we skateboarded back in the day. We were, you know, by no means good, but everyone, all of our friends that were into punk or hardcore or metal skated, and everyone yeah, in yeah. our small town skated. So that whole skate scene with the music scene was so intertwined, like punk, punk, hardcore skating. Uh, And then, you know, as it went into the the early to mid two thousands, like, you know, that metal core hardcore, like all that, like the, the more hard, I guess it was called hardcore, but it was more metal influenced. All that stuff stemmed from skateboarding for, for me. Like that's where it came from. Like, I was into, you know, I heard the Ramones, I was into punk. It was into like, you know, rancid and stuff and the skate stuff was all like intertwined with it and it was kind of like a it was kind of like a weird uh blessing where I feel like if you wouldn't have been into skateboarding, like maybe you wouldn't have been exposed to a lot of like punk bands and stuff like that.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like you <clears throat> like yeah, I mean this is kind of showing my age but i remember in eighth grade going to van's warp tour and seeing you know literally seeing extreme sports and the music happening at the same time oh and yeah it was it was just like mind-blowing
2: to me
0: well um, that was like one of the big disappointments of i mean I, the music aside because obviously there was a lot of like odd musical choices making its way onto. Oh, yeah. To Warp Tour, which don't get me wrong, I love the like diversity and things like that. But when the Warp Tour definitely, when Warp Tour took a nosedive, was when skateboarding stopped. You stopped seeing skateboarding and the skate ramps and the BMX at the. Because my first Warp Tour was, I was just as pumped to see because I think Steve Cab was on the fucking tour at that point.
1: Oh yeah, that's red. That's
2: rad.
0: Now, how how old are you? Just uh, so we have like uh, so we can kind of guide uh, ourselves through, like because I'm I'm 32. Eric's gonna be 35.
1: I turn 32 next month.
0: Oh, perfect. So
1: yeah, so we're right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Though this makes sense why like everything that you're saying like we can relate to, even yeah, from it matches up. the youth hijinks and everything. Um. So yeah, that I mean the the importance of a uh, film. And and punk rock and all that mixed into skateboarding uh, definitely can't be uh, can't be understated. But the uh, what were the musical influences like? What did did you find punk first? Like what was your first interest in music?
1: Yeah, punk was definitely first, um, and I, I remember I was like obsessed with some 41 for a while, and and I feel like that was like
2: my my gateway drug. <laughs> and it's hey, like, don't I, don't be embarrassed, I definitely saw him live as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. But yeah, I, that was kind of like my gateway into
1: stuff. Like I had heard some Ramones, and sex pistols and I liked it, but for some reason I became obsessed with that band and they, they really like put it on front street. They're like, we're punk rock. It was very, it was very much like everything about them was scream. They wanted to scream from the mountaintops that they were punk. And so I guess it was the first time I became aware of it and I got made fun of by my, my older sister. She's six years older than me. Um, her boyfriend at the time made fun of me for liking some forty one and said that they were wimps or whatever he said. I don't know. And and he brought up the Misfits. And so then I went and found the Misfits and listened to Walk Among Us. And then became so obsessed that I had my mom take me and buy me like enough shirts that the whole week could be Misfits, I'm like a Misfits <laughs> beanie. Like I was. That was my whole life for a little bit. And and then I just kind of went down. The rabbit hole. So you know, misfits, um, dead Kennedys was really big for me, um, and then eventually like Minor Threat and Chromax, stuff like that. So I- I'm kind of all over the place with my musical taste, but punk is definitely where I'm most at home for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean we can we can speak to that too. Our musical tastes are are, are everywhere, but like the the punk hardcore metal stuff is very like you know I'm big like on like thrash metal, uh, yeah. and, and all that. But it also like, it all, st- it, for me, it did like, I grew up as did Eric, you know, listening to like local radio. So we were exposed to like Zeppelin and Sabbath and the cars, like before we were able to buy our own music and things. Yeah. And then, uh, when we discovered, uh, when, well when I discovered, uh, like punk and, and you know, the Ramones, I was just like, you know, it, it definitely changes you. And then you find different facets. Like you said, your introduction, uh, mainly with some 41, but then as soon as you found the Misfits, like it was game over. Like you were all yep. in on the Misfits. Yep. Yep. yep.
1: Still am. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's, that's a little bit. That's the interesting thing is, like, there's a lot of music that I've even, you know, for a long time, I'd be like, oh, that's that's uncool, and I'm not into it, and, like, as I got older, I came to, like, accept that it's okay to still like that stuff, so, like, I got back into, like, some old Metallica, I'll still listen to some old Sum 41, but, like, the stuff that kind of never leaves rotation in my life is, like, Misfits, Dead Kennedys, like, that stuff has the staying power, I guess.
0: Now, since we're uh, we're a little further east in 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 Central New York and in Eric now in Pennsylvania, but growing up in here now in Indiana, did you have so you you lived in the time where Hot Topic had a lot of real punk rock shit? Yeah, oh yeah, for
1: sure. That's I what the, the first. No, go ahead. The first time that I, I knew about that, because I never. The only time that we ever went to the mall was me and my mom take me there so that we can, like, do jackass stuff. Go into clothing <laughs> stores and, like, knock over mannequins <laughs> and stuff. Um, and, but I. I had like skate ramps behind my house and this biker, this BMXer came over and he was wearing a bad religion shirt and I was so impressed that he had this shirt on and I asked him where he got it and he told me Hot Topic and then he didn't even know who the band was. <laughs> he <just> thought the <laughs> shirt was cool. Uh, so that was my introduction to Hot Topic. And and yes, back then I could just pick, I could close my eyes and point at the wall and probably find something that I would want there.
0: Yeah, I mean back then I feel like it was you know, it was split in those early 2000, like 2000, 2001. Like it was split where half the store was like new metal stuff. And then the half the store was punk stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's so funny now because they're more of like a pop culture store now. Uh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they have more like TV show shirts and, and wrestling shirts and things like that. And they've kind of, and you could still find like a Ramon shirt there or like a Clash shirt, Clash shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, But like, Back then, like that was the only, you know, place you could go. Like, where the fuck am I gonna find a Ramon shirt? Like, back then you had used to have to like mail order a money order into like Rockabilia or something if you wanted to get like a shirt delivered to you or something.
1: Yeah, we also we had this place in Chicago, which you know, Chicago from where I grew up was just like an hour away. And so it wasn't that far. My dad always worked in the city, so we got pretty used to it at a young age. So my sister and I would take road trips up there, and we would go to this place um, called The Alley. In Chicago, and it was basically like um, Infinity One or Rockabilia just on the walls. I mean, literally, like it was this gigantic kind of warehouse main room, and you would look up, and there's like 20 shirts stacked high. And so, I would go there and come home with like Nazi punks, fuck off shirts, and all this stuff that my mom was like, Oh my god, you can't wear that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think that she, she like, destroyed a shirt of mine and never never told me the truth about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was it the Nazi punks fuck off Dead Kennedy shirt? It, it,
1: it wasn't that one. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it said something awful about God, and I wore it to school. <laughs> uh, it, it's been so long, I can't remember what it was. I'll have to ask her. But, um, but yeah, it, it mysteriously disappeared.
0: <laughs> so what was your... Um now that we've kind of, we've kind of covered, uh, your introductions to your love for film and, and music now, now at what point were you like, I'm going to make my first film?
1: Um, so my first feature, uh, is called when I die. And, um, it's actually named after a Gigi Allen song. Uh, and we, we made that movie because we didn't, know what else to do like it was out of necessity um we wanted to prove to ourselves that we could make a feature but we didn't have much at our disposal so we were like well what do we have and what we had was hundreds of hours of footage of me and my friends being idiots and um footage of me when i was a little kid and And all this stuff so so we thought how can we take that stuff and make it into something usable so we decided to make a mockumentary about my suicide so before the movie starts i'm dead and and my buddy alex is is playing the role of the filmmaker and he's like my buddy that met me in college and then i committed suicide and he's trying to discover what led me to it and what my life was so we were filming like, my real friends and family, and it took a while to convince them that I wasn't really suicidal. (laughs) It it was was kind of a hard concept to explain to people at the time, Uh, but but over time, like, they, they started to see it come together and understand, like, that I was okay, and really, it actually helped me exercise a lot of demons that I had, you know? angsty youth kind of stuff and uh but yeah so that was the first one and we and we self-distributed it and we did pretty well but like we never even looked for a distributor and now we've kind of buried it um like i still have probably like 300 copies (laughs) but um but we're not going to do anything with it it was more just like an experiment i guess and and once we did that and realized that people could get some enjoyment out of it, that's when I started being like, okay, now I can try to do something that's actually a narrative. Um, and so we made a short film called Massacre on 34th Street about Santa Claus slaughtering a house full of squatterpunks. And, <laughs> and, and then we and we had so much fun, and we were like, what, what can we do with this? And at the time, anthologies weren't big. And so I thought, oh, my God, we're going to bring back an anthology film and it's going to be huge. But then it took like four years to make. And by the time we were done, anthologies were everywhere. It was right. all the rage. <laughs> it's like every idea that I have that I think is like ahead of the curve, it is, but I don't have the the tools to get it out quick enough that it's ahead of the
0: curve. Like, right. By the
1: time I'm done, it, somebody's had the idea.
0: <laughs> the idea was ahead of the curve, the execution, not so much.
1: Yes, even even we. The tagline for that film, that anthology, was called "Night Terrors," and we. The tagline was "The Return of VHS Horror," because we, when we started and we decided we were going to do everything VHS and put it through VCR and beat it up, that didn't exist. And then two thirds of the way through the movie, the movie VHS came out, and I was like, <laughs> "Son of <you."> a bitch!" <laughs> so it just, it just seems to always happened to me and that's actually why when we did straight edge kegger we started with a mock trailer like i had the idea and i said we're gonna make a proof of concept trailer so no one else can stake claim on this idea (laughs) that's really why why that happened
0: right so there could be a (laughs) there could be a backlog where they're not like oh this fucking guy's this fucking guy thinks he's you know trying to rip off this rip off that be like no motherfucker Look at the date on that YouTube video. We were fucking yes, ahead that, of this. shit. Really <laughs> like, yeah,
2: that's a that's a great idea. That's a phenomenal idea. Oh, it really is. Uh, no. That's
1: that's where it all came from. That's that's why we did it.
0: Now uh Straight Edge Kegger, uh there's a lot I I I haven't even seen the film. I just ordered it from uh Scream, oh,
1: releasing. Scream- releasing Yeah, Scream. Thanks so much, man. That's yeah. also, I was gonna say I was gonna hook you guys up with a screener link after this, but I uh Got it coming on its
0: way yeah I I had to because I immediately saw the cover and and I think I was just kind of like going through accounts on the podcast uh, Instagram page and I uh, I someone liked a photo so I, I went over I was like oh, who the fucks this I'm looking and then I see uh, the uh, someone posted like a, a picture of it and I was like, what the fuck is this straight-edge kegger so I immediately <laughs> like linked up to weird on top and I was just like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> email immediately i this is like i literally saw the the cover of it in a tagline and i was just like oh yeah this is gonna be great um well thank you so much
1: man that's awesome
0: of course man uh you know and like uh we've talked about this all the time like uh eric and i specifically when we talk about like when we see certain things we're like fuck that was catered like right to us like
2: yeah
0: it was immediately like one i've always like I mean I mean we're gonna get into like the film here in a second, but I always loved the concept that it was never it was never really explored like a straight edge slasher
1: yeah yeah that, that was that was my thought too and really it's you know it was kind of a happy accident the idea coming which is most things I guess but um I wanted to do a punk rock horror movie like that was it I mean you know my that short film where Santa kills the squatter punks like Punk was always and I'm gonna move away from it on the next film, but it's it's such a big part of my life that like that's what I wanted to do. And when I decided I'm gonna make a punk rock horror movie, my first thought was was skinheads, like the neo Nazi kind of sharks. And then Green Room came out. <laughs> so yes. and I'm like, Well, I can't do this. So again I had the idea, but then I see their movie and I'm like, Well, I can't rip this off. So I thought what can I do to totally steer clear of what they did but still accomplish my goal and that's when I thought oh my god no one's ever done a straight edge horror movie and really I didn't even know if straight had, straight edge had really been dealt with in movies at the time I found out that it's been in more movies than I thought still not a whole lot but yeah so that's that's how that came to be too
0: yeah so it started off as a, a short film first right
1: yeah but, yeah well it was a proof of concept trailer like it was it was just a mock trailer because we oh, had, okay okay so that was technically yeah. the short yes yeah, gotcha gotcha like, and we, we you know we had never done that we didn't know if there was any like avenue to even take that anywhere um and so we didn't take it around like trying to get funding or anything we just submitted it to film festivals and um it, it got on hard times news and When it got on Hard Times, which do you guys know what Hard Times is? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Like the onion for punk,
2: Yeah, exactly. um,
1: But it got on there, and it got like 40,000 views in like less than a week, and it got all these supportive comments, and so that gave us kind of, you know, that put wind in our sails to try to do a crowdfunding campaign. And we, I've never done that either, and I never want to do it again. Uh, But... But we did that, and we hit our goal, but the goal was not at
2: all what the movie was going to cost, and I knew that. So uh, then we were just kind of
1: stuck, like we had to make the movie, which is a good thing in the long run. But I I had to kind of choose, like, okay, do I want to only spend what we made on the Kickstarter and make a bad movie, or do I want to put myself in debt and make the movie I want to make? And I chose the latter. So now, so now in the debt... Um, but we did get to make the movie and, you know, the rest is history, as I say.
0: Well, so to give you uh, a brief overview, so I, I'm straight edge and Eric is not, Eric is my best friend.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, so this is like, I like, this is immediately when I saw it, I was just like, I gotta have this guy on. I got, cause You're- I'm so interested in because the idea is just is is so great and i've been wanting to see it for a while and i love the angle that from watching the trailer i i understand already the angle you're coming at it and i love it
1: you warm my heart man because the, the only thing that has been like disheartening in this process is finding people who won't give it a chance because they think they were trying to make fun of straight edgers and that is not Point at all. It's just there, you know, there had to be a bad guy, and it, it was easier to pick them as the bad guy because we're making them, you know, be like hardline, straight edge, even more hardline. <laughs> exactly. Hardline ever was, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was really just that I wanted to make a punk rock movie. I love straight edge. I am not straight edge, but for, you know, for the most part, I am a straight edger. I, I didn't do drugs or drink or smoke. Um, all the way up until, like, my second year in college, and now I just drink. I still don't smoke or anything like that. So I really, I still align with a lot of the belief system, but I'm not straight edge, you know? Yeah. And I think some of those, like, you know, contradictions in my own belief system is probably why the movie walks a kind of cool line between the straight edges being bad and the partiers being bad, you know? Right. I always tell people that I think I could remake the movie from the opposite perspective where it's the Straight Edgers feeling like they've been kind of, you know,
2: disrespected and like their lifestyle is being threatened by these these drinkers and partiers. Right,
0: right. So what's, uh, what's cool about it, so are you familiar at all with like the Syracuse uh, music scene? Yeah, yeah. So obviously like Straight Edge veganism, that stuff, especially in the 90s was huge here. This was kind of the oh, epicenter yeah. for that in the 90s. Yes. So, obviously, Earth Crisis being, like, the most, probably one of the most, like, militant, like, Straight Edge bands. Like, well, probably not the most. I mean, there was a couple out there that were literally, like, near killing each other. And uh, so I found Straight Edge, like, in in an early age, and I never held any kind of... uh, like real, I mean, in high school, like early high school, you did, cause like I, I did, like cause everyone was drinking, and and I I just didn't relate to it and things like that. So like back then, especially when you first like start labeling yourself as straight edge, you kind of have, and this is me being very self aware and very honest, is you kind of do have like a self righteous like man fuck these people like type thing. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was short lived because then like all the friends that like found straight edge when I did weren't straight edge anymore and like I remember one in particular one of my good friends in high school stopped being straight edge like over the weekend at a party and uh and he was just like he was terrified to like to tell like the few of us that were still straight edge and like I was like dude I don't care I've known you since before I claimed straight like I could give a fuck yeah and what this expl what this movie explores is that like militant uh I idealism, 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 whatever, uh, that expands beyond high school. Cause when you're younger, you're very influenced. Like you're going to shows, like there's a straight edge scene, there's straight edge bands, you know, and then it's like, well, fuck this guy. He's not straight edge anymore type thing. And that mentality, I think that your movie probably touches upon. Like I said, I haven't seen it. It's in the mail, but, um, and it's, uh, it, it goes into some people's twenties, and even 30s, and those people never really truly grow up and understand that you can still be friends with someone that doesn't share the same ideas as as you, and I've seen it like many times, like Eric can vouch, because Eric's never been straight-edge, but he's had straight-edge friends, and you know, myself included, obviously, and not straight-edge friends, and if I could sum it up in, in, in any way to defend, uh, I guess, you, your movie and the idea of your movie is... I don't have any, I don't think I have any real straight edge friends. All my friends that are straight edge are more acquaintances and all my best friends are the, I guess not the furthest thing from straight edge, but like are not straight edge at all.
1: Yeah. We, well, and you know, I, I have a, my old film partner, um, Alex Lukens, and he was, he, he never did the whole like triple X straight edge kind of stuff, but he was straight edge um, for, gosh, he probably stopped when he was twenty six or something like that. Um, and and so and he really struggled with his transition. Like he was really nervous about I hope he's not mad that I'm like putting him on blast right now. But <laughs> but he he struggled with the transition from straight edge to being able to do these other things. And um and I, I always told him like I don't think any of your friends are gonna judge you. I'm mean, like, I don't I don't care either way what you do, but I don't think anyone's going to have much of a thought about it, but when you're like in it, I, it feels like a big deal. Cause I remember when I, you know, when I didn't do anything either, I was like scared for anyone to know that I was taking a drink, like at all, because I just thought everyone was going to lose respect for me. And so that was a part of what the movie is about too, because um, I named the character Brad, our lead played by Corey Kays. Um, I named him after my one, like true till death, straight edge friend. <laughs> like I, I have one of those guys who's never going to stop, and um, and it's named after him. But yeah, he that character like struggles with the transition as well. So it was it was a lot of things that kind of inspired it and, and brought the story together. But
0: yeah, and uh, I remember in the the mid 2000s when I I believe it was in, and they did like, I think they did like a, like a history channel or, or some channel did like a, like a, a small little docuseries on hardcore. And one of the episodes was on straight edge. And it was mainly based around that. Yes. Yes. The, 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 the Reno, like the kid that like stopped being straight edge or something like that in Reno, Nevada. And I think that, this random weird like you know half an ep band straight edge band that was out uh like were affiliated with it and like they killed some kid uh and it was you know you know it was behind straight edge was behind it and and all that stuff and it gave straight edge a terrible rap and it had um it was on fucking Geraldo Rivera, like uh Carl oh, yeah. Carl from Earth Crisis was literally had to go on Geraldo Rivera and play like spokesperson for straight edge and say like this is like not what we're about, like
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and that, that was
1: kind of the the logic was like uh I watched I can't remember what the episode was. It might even be similar to what you're talking about or the same thing, but um I think the show is called Gangland.
2: Yes, yeah, there
1: was yes. a, a gangland about F- FSU there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. And I thought, you know, I knew that that wasn't accurate. That it was kind of like uh, over the top explanations of what was happening, and or exaggerated, I guess. And I, I thought, okay, but what if they had a reason to go the extra step and and kill people, and that that would be a cool movie. So right, so, right. Again, like there was a lot of things together, but that was definitely the. The thought and honestly, Kevin Smith inspired it too because I was obsessed with um, his book Tough Shit, and uh, he talks a lot in that about the movie Red State and how he um, had all these internal conflicts about his religious upbringing and then like looking at people like the um, whisper about his church and he thought all right what if instead of just protesting at funerals they're causing the funerals and then protesting and so like that kind of inspired the thought too like what do i know really well and i could turn into this like extremism and and straight edge popped into my head
0: and the idea was born
1: the idea was born yeah
0: uh <laughs> so have you have you experienced though like backlash from the film are there like any militant straight edge, uh, online personalities. Cause I'm going to guess no one's approached you face to face, but, uh, you know, that are like, like, fuck this movie or anything like that.
1: I, I haven't seen a lot, but it's also because I don't go looking, I think. Um I know that like when we first did the proof of concept trailer, my buddy posted it on Reddit and a lot of the reaction was like how dare they make this movie and this, you know, it was very much like this isn't straight edge, this isn't funny and but it's like they they don't even know what the movie is, you know. Um but but luckily since then there hasn't been much like that at all. We used to get some, like, trolls on, on YouTube, um, but that was about it. And and usually, like, I mean, we can't go to conventions right now because of what's going on, but when we were going to conventions and film festivals, more often than not, we were met by straight edgers who were just stoked on it. Um, and we even, we had this really interesting experience at a film festival where a guy came up to me who has been straight edge his whole life, and he had a, a long, in-depth conversation with me about it and he told me that he was conflicted because he really wanted to hate the movie and that he liked it. And and he he's like, I really thought that I was gonna like come up to you after and we were gonna have an argument. But he said instead I watched it, I enjoyed it, and then then I heard your Q and A and understood even better that like you mean us no harm. it's <laughs> so I thought that was a really good experience and and I just that's why I hope that they'll everybody'll just give it a shot. But the, the only other thing, the thing that's been kind of a bummer is, like, we've reached out to some straight-edge groups and just gotten no response, and we thought this would be a great movie for them to support and partner with, but they won't even watch it. And I think, you know, that that's more often than not what we've seen. It's just that they're, like, not interested because they think that it's going to depict them in a bad way.
0: Right, right. And it's uh it, it's unfortunate that some people can't, like open that like gate in their mind to like let something in like i love taking the piss out of myself uh so i'll i, I love i like i'm like open to like things like that i was just like okay straight out ed- the straight edge kids are the villains i gotta see this uh and uh, i feel like some people just i think it is too like because some people uh I, I actually follow this like uh straight edge instagram where they like do these quick little questions with um with people, I mean, it used to kind of be, like, just, like, I guess more, like, known musicians and things like that who, who identified as straight edge, and now it's kind of just turned into whoever wants to send in or request that they answer these questions, and I noticed that half and half the people, like, people, like, over the age of 30 that are, are still straight edge are you know, have like, you know, I don't do it for anybody but myself, which, which is how I feel. Like I don't care like about anybody else's straight edge. I only care about like mine. And when I say I care, I mean, I, I don't even think about it. Like I, I just, I I have almond milk in my fridge. Like I, I don't, I don't crave beer. It's just not me, but I also would gladly stock my fridge with beer. If, uh, friends were coming over, mind you, I, I haven't, uh, but I would, uh, I don't, I don't have any like, uh, Issues with anybody who doesn't identify it as it, and I think that's how like a lot of that stuff kind of goes, especially when you get into veganism and vegetarianism. I-, I think that is even more militant now than than straight edge ever was. And I'm vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. I'm vegetarian too. I've been vegetarian for sixteen years, uh, but I also like I don't push my like beliefs on anybody. I just kinda live my life to the way I see I should live my life and, and whoever wants to live their life however they want to, that's their decision. It's not up to me to like uh turn it into like a religious preaching uh gimmick for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, have you read uh John Joseph's uh Is for Pussies?
0: I haven't. I've heard all about it. I've oh, heard it's hi- so good. I've heard him on like so many different uh podcasts uh talking about it and stuff. I have not uh got that yet though.
1: You got you got to pick it up. It's a great book. It's because I'm not vegetarian, but I, my girlfriend and I would like to try to get closer to it, um, just because it's it's better for the world. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still not. But like I said, see that's that's what I'm saying about like my own like, internal conflicts and hypocrisies in my belief system. I'll go read Meat is for Pussies and then go make a steak.
2: <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: That's where I'm
0: at. Well, I mean, it's a perfect, uh, it's like a, I mean, it, it's all about just having your own identity. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we we talked about this, uh, and Erica uh, can attest to this too, we talk about this all the time, it's about liking what you like and not apologizing for it.
1: Yeah, nice, yeah. And, uh,
0: you know, we talked about, we talked about that with like the clash yesterday, uh, on that episode, you know, the clash were the clash that they liked what they liked. They had reggae in their music and they didn't give a shit that like hardcore, like punk rockers, like weren't into that. Um, and, and we've always talked about that. For instance, uh, Eric has, uh, earth crisis lyrics tattooed on him. I, I have, uh, I have a Ramo- Ramones tattoo cause the Ramones are my favorite band and, uh, every single one of them but one member was heavily into drugs or alcohol throughout their entire career you, yeah. know, you know what i mean like i i don't feel like any kind of like guilt like oh my god dd Dee Dee was a heroin addict i'm such a phony
2: like
1: you just you just like gave me goosebumps for we we have uh a line in the movie where sean who's kind of like the, the happy-go-lucky partier who kind of like helps the transition for brad um he he says you think you agree with everything every band ever says or does i doubt it and that's exactly what you're talking about right bingo now. exactly
2: <laughs> yeah. um i have a question actually uh, a little off topic but i was reading uh, that while you guys were filming this uh you guys actually slept on location is that true yeah, so we wrote the movie
1: around my house. Like, I live in an old Victorian house that um, I rent. I've rented for like eleven years, and it's always been kind of like kind of a a punk. It's like a punk rock fraternity, I guess. Like, I've had like fourteen roommates here, <laughs> and and it's it's only been in the last like couple years that we've started making it nicer and um, and making it more like I could buy it one day and, and live here long-term. But up until then, like, this was the place where, like, if people needed a couch to crash on, the door would never be locked. And they'd just be able to walk in and, and sleep. And we have concerts here. And um, my even though it's getting nicer here, my living room walls are actually graffiti still from the movie.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: and I don't want to take it down. It looks awesome. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, So so we knew – that this movie as small of a little indie production as it was, it's still kind of in scope. The movie is pretty big. And like, I knew we had no money to, <laughs> to, to float us. So, um, we thought about hotels and we were just like, we knew there was just no way. So basically as we interviewed people, we would say like, Hey, could you commit to like, we'll buy you an air mattress, but you're, we're all going to sleep in the same location. Um, and we got, luckily we had lots of friends and family who were down to help us in the first place. But then all the strangers that we had never met before, we were scared to even ask them, but everybody like, it's almost like that was the test. And then once they passed the test, everybody was just down.
2: Like they were awesome. It, It was like summer camp. Yeah, I mean it sounds like it was an awesome experience. I think I mean that sounds fun to me shooting a shooting a slasher, everyone just hanging out together.
1: Yeah, it was I mean it was really stressful and like if there's I always tell people um if, if there's one thing I could change about the experience and about myself moving forward, it's that I would chill because i am like a ball of nervous energy when we're shooting i'm like running around not eating like a chicken with his head cut off and just like everyone else is like chill and having fun and they're just looking at me like why are you like everything's going great (laughs) but i i'm just like running around so like it was the most stressful like 11 days of my life but it also contains some of the best moments of my life like hands down And, and it's easier for me now to look back um with like nothing but fondness but during the time when it was ending i was like oh thank god get everybody out <laughs> like, now, now I, I just want them back
0: I, I, yeah exactly i read uh within the uh the void of the internet that the budget for this was five grand confirm or deny oh deny that,
1: no, no no that's wrong that was the budget for the mock trailer. We estimated at five grand and that was basically because of like the camera cost and
2: stuff. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So that was basically the budget and the budget was probably less than that for the short. It was just easier to say, okay, five grand. Um, but the budget for the feature in total, probably closer to 35,000. And, and we got 15,000 from Kickstarter. Um, and then the rest was on my credit card. So I've actually spent the last year and a half donating blood plasma twice a week to pay down the debt.
2: Ooh. Um, well, yeah. well,
1: uh, well uh, actually,
0: actually, you're doing fucking God's work at this point because that's fucking, that's what they want. Like, So yeah. you were ahead of the curb again. <laughs> Fuck, you should have posted a YouTube video about your blood plasma donations. <laughs> yeah holy I, shit I, jason zinc on the fucking ahead of the curb ahead of the game i love it
1: <laughs> but yeah so, so i paid down quite a bit of debt and we're hoping that we'll sell a bunch of copies thank you for buying one yeah of course man <laughs> because- I, this
0: is all I, I as soon as i saw it and, and now it, it just reaffirms uh you know the purchase talking to you and and getting your perspective on it and uh just kind of getting to getting to know you i I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I found it I'm glad that I bought it and man this is uh so how did you get uh bef- before we you know uh get get too far to the end um how did uh how did you get hooked up with uh, scream team releasing
1: uh that was kind of through the film festival circuit um we had screened the proof of concept trailer like years ago now um, at a place called genre blast film festival in um, West Virginia. And it, it was a great experience. We absolutely loved everything about it when we went um, for the feature, finally, when we went back for the feature, but um Sorry, long story short, I'm going around around the block here.
2: But, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, so, genre blast for a little bit was putting out this like
1: newsletter, and they had an interview with Justin Seaman from Scream Team releasing, and everything he said in that interview just like hit home for me because cause he also he made a feature film called The Barn.
0: Um, oh yeah, we- Eric and I are both uh, fans of The Barn
1: oh okay so so he made that and he kind of did the same thing that i did he took it around the world and to all these festivals and looked for a distributor and ultimately he found nothing but like these kind of vulture-like offers and he just wasn't comfortable with it and i was feeling the same thing and he talked about how he started his own distribution house and um how he's been able to turn a profit for himself and then He picked up a friend's film and kind of did the same thing, and it just kind of morphed. And so I thought, okay, this guy gets it. This guy knows all of my fears and anxieties. He will have my best interests in mind, and he he sounds like he's trustworthy. And then I still vetted it. Like, I talked to every filmmaker I could to say, hey, is this guy full of shit, or, like, is this this real? And everybody had positive things to say, which is way more than I could say for a lot of the other distributors we were talking to. (laughs) Like you have no idea how many filmmakers I spoke to who were like, oh, we never want to work with these people again. Like I, I saw nothing back from it and just terrible like war stories from the trenches. Um, so yeah, so it kind of happened through the festival circuit, but I but I did reach out to him um, and I, he, it took him a long time to watch the movie. Like I think it was only because of the film festival circuit that he finally – put it on, (laughs) because he he was sitting on it for months, Uh, and he's a busy guy, but um, he was sitting on it for months, and it was only when I started winning awards, and and he saw that we were like on the same lineup with some of his other films and filmmakers he knew, then he was like, okay, maybe I should watch this thing, Um, and he watched it and loved it, and there you go.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Eric had, uh, Eric had got me privy to that. Cause as soon as I texted him about it, uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I think, uh, it's distributed through, uh, the same place that did the barn. And, and, and then, you know, we, we started just, uh, you know, looking into it and, and going through it. And I, I, I ordered it and, uh, I had to get you on the, uh, the podcast. This is, uh, this has been great man uh, so what's your uh, what's your aspirations for your next project do you have uh, you have ideas do you uh, are you kind of like laying low for i mean everyone's laying low for the time being but uh <laughs>
2: yeah
1: um yeah so right now i mean we're definitely laying low because of the pandemic and stuff but um i'm keeping busy what i'm doing right now is shooting all these like mini documentaries so that i can start posting stuff and keeping people entertained um the dvd and blu-ray actually has a feature-length documentary about the making of the movie that i think you guys will dig um but I'm, I'm shooting, like, all the leftover footage we have. I'm shooting these little, like, two- to three-minute docs just to, hey, guys, here's something else that we didn't put on the disc, and maybe you'll be entertained by it. So that's kind of what I'm doing to, to kill my time right now. Um, but I, we, we do know what we want to make for our next feature film. And so I've spent a lot of time, like, I'm developing a pitch deck. I have a business plan. We have the mock poster. We have a treatment. Like, we've done all this stuff so that when we finally – can set up meetings with people to try to pitch investors like we're ready to go. Um, but I'm I'm stepping like I said I'm stepping a little bit away from punk on this next one because I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Uh, we do have a character who is obsessed with with metal, like Norwegian black metal. So I, I'm still getting a little bit of bit, bit of my interest in that. Um, but the next one we want to do is a horror comedy about uh, a group of home invaders that are trying to make a name for themselves.
2: <laughs> that's
0: that's brilliant. I love it already.
1: <laughs> We, yeah, I picture it to be kind of like, like, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon meets the strangers. Like, that's kind of how how I'm visualizing it. So I
2: love it. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. We get to make it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So where can uh, where can people find you? Is it uh, the weird on top Instagram?
2: yeah
1: weird on top pictures on instagram we also have a straight edge kegger facebook and people can feel free to add me jason zink on facebook that's actually probably the easiest way to get in touch with me um but even you know you guys reached out on weirdontoppictures.com on the contact form so um sometimes i'm a little slow to respond but i do my best uh but it is it's it's not only me who's making these projects obviously but i am kind of the one running the company so it, it's it's me
2: wearing a lot of hats
0: awesome man well
2: um i do have i have a question actually uh, I, we know how we can grab straight edge kegger obviously through, through a screen team but uh how about your other two uh, films are those accessible can anybody get a hold of those at all so we kind of buried when i die uh if you if you guys want i'll send you guys copies
1: for free like just to send them to you um but it, it's just so, it, since it never got distribution, I'd be scared that if we released it now, people would get confused and think it's a new movie. And they, they'd be like, wait, the quality is like so much worse than Street <laughs> Edge. And yeah. So I so then when I think we're just going to keep it shelved, the movie costs like nothing to make. So yeah. sorry to everybody. Maybe one day they'll make it out there. If I, if I become famous somehow, then <laughs> somebody <laughs> will dig it up. <laughs> uh, yeah but then night terrors is interesting i actually it's so weird i just got a text from somebody like two days ago that was like night terrors is on the google play store and i said that's news to me um our previous distributor didn't do very well with it uh i don't want to talk too too ill of them but things didn't go so well and next year we're actually going to get the movie rights back so I think then we will probably um, find a new home for it and get new packaging and stuff. But right now, I, I think you can still buy it from um, Camp Motion Pictures. I think it's still on their website, but we haven't we haven't kept up conversations with them. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that, that one that, again. Like it's all been a learning process, and the last movie just we really didn't it didn't sit well with us how things went and so we were very careful with this one to find a home that we were comfortable with like if we didn't find screen team I'm not 100% sure that we would have just self distributed
0: and they're um so they were they pack like you place an order through screen team they package it they send it out
1: yeah, yeah, the only, the only thing that, like, even, so just to make it simpler for them, like, on our website, you can go to buy it, but you'll click the image, and it'll just take you to Screen Team's merch store, because right. otherwise, like, they have to pay to ship them here, and then we have to pay to ship them, and it just didn't make much sense, so we think that we just, for now anyway, keep it so it's just them, um, and I think they're already sold out of them, I'm not sure, but the first hundred copies got... Um, autographs and um, an 11 by 17 poster, and they also got um, a drinking game insert uh, that, that goes <laughs> in the DVD and Blu-rays. <laughs> so, the good thing—I I was smart enough that there's a there's a caveat at the bottom that includes the the rule for straight-edgers, so you don't have to be a drinker to participate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing and i will say they're doing they're doing good work there because i placed the order at probably 4 4 30 yesterday and in less than an hour i got a it, at the very least they packaged it and got a tracking number because i immediately got a your order is shipped with a tracking number almost immediate oh, that's awesome almost less than an that's hour awesome. so they're doing good work there and they're they're doing uh they're doing the right things uh so it so it seems
1: that's
0: awesome good to hear good to hear well jason thanks uh Thanks a ton, man, for for carving out uh, an hour or so and uh, coming on and talking, talking everything that involves uh, weird on top, and talking straight edge kegger. You can uh, get that on uh, through the links at uh, Weird on Top Pictures uh, and Scream Team releasing. Uh, any in for anything else you want to add uh, before we uh, we call it here, Jason?
1: Um, just you know that everybody stays safe and healthy. Um keep a safe distance from one another i know it's it's hard especially since it's getting nice out but it is the best for us um and and thank you guys so much for having me on it i i've been going a little stir crazy here uh locked inside the house so it was nice to chat with some new people and and talk about (laughs) punk rock and horror for sure
0: Hell yeah, man. Uh, I may be hitting you up more. If we do any kind of lists uh, from our Instagram posts that seem of interest to you, uh, hit us up. I'd love to have you back on just to, to talk uh, music or horror movies.
2: Oh, hell yeah. That sounds
0: awesome, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the time. It's Weird on Top Pictures at Instagram. Uh, you can order uh, Straight Edge Kegger through all, all the links, the Scream Team releasing uh, went over that. You could find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on Breaker, uh and on Anchor, which is our host site, uh rate review do your thing and uh check out Straight Edge Kegger by Jason Zink. Thanks guys. Thank you.